Well, good morning. So good to see all of you here. Thanks for bearing with us in our uh, fun light issues. If the lights go down, I'm going to keep talking. You can close your eyes if you want to. Just don't fall asleep on me, all right? If you do, just wake up and say amen. Nobody will question anything. Well, I'm Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you are here with us today. And we are finishing out our Who's Your One series. This is it. Today is the end of this series. As you hopefully have figured out by now, this Thursday is Thanksgiving. And for those of you who started Christmas back on November 1st, Thanksgiving is a holiday in November before Christmas where we celebrate gratitude and give God thanks for the things that he's blessed us with. So don't forget about that part. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you are Christmas starts November 1st type of people? That's all right. Be bold. All right. What about Christmas doesn't start till after Thanksgiving people? Yeah, there's, that's more of us. That's where I'm at. Anybody, it's okay if this is you. Christmas is only two days in December. Any, any of those people out here? All right. We have a couple of honest people. That is all right. Nothing wrong with that. Well, regardless of where you're at in that, Christmas is upon us. And no, I'm not up here to talk about Christmas all morning. We'll get there. That's coming. But I do want to focus on something briefly here. One of my favorite parts of the Christmas season, and that's Christmas movies. We all have our favorites. Christmas movies are a lot of fun. They help to bring in the holiday cheer and all that. Well, this week I was curious to, to find out what were the most popular, what were the favorite Christmas movies across America? So here's what I found. I apologize. This is really difficult to see, but this is what I got, all right? There's fun little graphics. You can see a Christmas story gets the most votes with a whopping 12% of the votes. And on down, lots of different movies that people really like a lot. And really what I want to highlight here is that 92% of the population is wrong because the only correct answer is it's a wonderful life. That is, thank you, thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one who feels that way. Yes, it's an old movie and it's black and white and that seems weird, but it's an amazing movie. And if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to check it out this Christmas season. It is a phenomenal movie. Watch it till the end. Just, just keep watching it. Watch it till the end. Uh, but anyways, it's a wonderful life. Every Christmas Eve, since I was a kid, we've watched that movie as a family. I know it's Christmas because I'm watching It's a Wonderful Life. And if you've seen it, you know, when you get to the end, you know that line at the end, no man is a failure who has friends. If that doesn't choke you up, put a lump in your throat, or bring tears to your eyes, then I question whether or not you're human. Because it gets me every time. It is so good. It's so good. But what's the big idea with that movie? You don't know the lives you've touched or the impact that you've made on the world around you, but it's more than you know. So here, I promise I'm not talking about Christmas for this whole message, but I go on rambling about it. Well, what does this have to do with our Who's Your One series that we're finishing up today? You don't know the lives you've touched or the impact that you've made on the world around you but it's more than you know. And it starts with one. We've been focused this series on this idea of one. Who is one person in my life who doesn't know Jesus? And I can give them that opportunity to know him in a personal way. Well, Chris has shared with us the past few weeks, he's had some great thoughts as we've walked through this series together. And as a side note, it's really good to see so many of you came back today, if you were here last week. Chris talked about hell last week, which was fun. And uh, it's nice that you came back because we were joking that nobody would be here today. 
I was actually also not here last week. Uh, we had our high school fall retreat last week, just getting away for the weekend. And our theme for the weekend was, who's your one? And so literally, it's just been permeating everything. And some of you might be sitting here going, oh my goodness, I'm sick of this. Can we stop talking about this idea of one? We, we talk about uh, who somebody in my life might be that can know Jesus and in ways that I can intentionally engage them in that, like enough already. Well, guess what? It's not going away. It's here to stay. Because we as a church, even if we're finishing up this series today, we as a church want to continue to be about reaching people and living out the love of Jesus in our lives. That does not stop. That does not go away. So even if the series ends today, it doesn't end here. That who's your one wall out there in the lobby where you have the opportunity to write a name of somebody that you're praying for and trusting God to help you reach, we're going to continue to keep that out there. I would encourage you, if you have not done that yet, to write that name of somebody and put it on, up on that wall. Because there's only about 35 names out there, and there's a lot more than 35 people in here right now. And so whoever that is, whoever God is calling you to take a step towards, put that name up there, and so we can be praying for you all together in that. We all have people that God is calling us to in our lives. And this isn't just about a series. It's about a lifestyle. It's a calling that we all have been given. And so this morning, I want to share some stories with you. I want to share some stories from Scripture, some stories from my personal life, some stories from history. But all of these stories have something in common. They all start with the willingness of somebody to simply reach one. So let's start in Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles or devices, feel free to turn there. Otherwise, it will be up on the screen. Luke chapter 15, and this may or may not be a familiar story. In fact, that last song that we sang this morning called Reckless Love is taken directly from this story. Talking about the great, the amazing love of God for us. So Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Well, what does this story have to do with one? What does it have to do with one? It shows us that Jesus cares about the one. When we're lost, when we're off wandering around, away from where we belong, away from him. He comes to us. He rescues us. He saves us. He brings us home and takes care of us. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And at some point in time, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey right now, we've all been that lost sheep. We've all been that sheep wandering around without a home, without a savior, a good shepherd to care for us. And if we take that step towards him, to place our faith in him, he has brought us home into the fold. Well, I truly believe that if you were the only person on the planet, bear with me, I know that would be kind of strange to think about. 
But if you were the only person on the planet and Jesus were faced with coming to earth to die for the sins of just one person, he still would have gone through that simply just for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. Jesus cares about the one. And that story is proof. It's not that he didn't care about the 99. They were fine. They were all right. But Jesus goes after the one. I love how Paul says this in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, talking about the incredible lengths that Jesus has gone to for our sin. This is what Paul writes. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We've all been that lost sheep at some point in time. And some of us maybe still are. But this story is not just about us being saved. It's also about those of us who have been rescued going out to rescue those who need it. Jesus is the one who does the saving. He has done that through the cross. But we all can take that step towards someone to bring them to the good shepherd. Now, if we're being honest— some lost sheep want to remain lost. They, they have chosen that. They want to stay away from the good shepherd. We all have that choice. But it doesn't mean that as followers of Jesus, we can't still take that opportunity towards people to, to give them the opportunity to know Jesus, to be safely wrapped in his arms. And we are called to celebrate that. That light bulb over there, that's a celebration of somebody placing their faith in Jesus this last week. That is worth celebrating. Let's go ahead and just celebrate that right now. And so if God cares about the one, then what does that mean for us? Well, God has shown us that people matter. People matter each and every one. This fall, the last few months here in high school youth group, we've been working through a lesson series called Values. And it's been all about what makes us who we are, that we all have value, we all have worth. What does it look like for me in the midst of my gifts and talents and abilities to live that out? Knowing that value is realized differently in all of us, that we all have a part to play in this world around us. We all have something to bring. Well, today I, I want to give you two things to see value in. As we bring this series to a close, what does it look like for me to be reaching the people around me? Two things we can see value in. First, see the value of individual people. See the value of individual people. If God cares about each individual person, then so should we. It's just our way of showing them the love that God has for them. Now, I want to tell you this morning about one person that we find in the Gospels. And no, that person is not Jesus, though he's pretty great too. But I want to tell you about somebody you probably wouldn't guess. Somebody some of you maybe don't even know who it is, and that's totally cool. His name is Andrew. Andrew the disciple. Andrew is one of Jesus's 12 disciples, one of his closest friends and followers. And to be honest, there's not a whole lot about Andrew in the Bible. We don't really know a whole lot. In fact, if we know about Andrew, it's probably because we know that he's the brother of Simon Peter. That's the only way that we maybe even know who he is. But his brother, Simon Peter, as Jesus calls him, the rock upon which I'll build my church, you know who brought Peter to Jesus in the first place? Andrew. 
Andrew is the one who brought Peter to Jesus. In fact, Andrew was the first disciple of Jesus. So if you want to flip to John chapter 1, starting in verse 40, this shows us the, the story of Andrew and Peter coming to know Jesus. And here's what it says. John chapter 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Don't you love how Andrew isn't just known as Andrew for being Andrew? He's Simon Peter's brother. Like, some of you know what that's like. You're so-and-so sibling, you're so-and-so's kid or parent or whatever. Andrew is just known as Simon Peter's brother, right? Anyways, so Andrew was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Peter just means Jesus, and Jesus has already given him a new name. Cephas is translated Peter, which just means rock. So right off the bat, as soon as Andrew met Jesus, he knew he couldn't keep it to himself, but he needed to share it. And he went to the person who he's closest to, the most important person in his life, his brother Simon. And he brings Simon to Jesus. Andrew, as we see in scripture, he is, he's an inviter, an introducer, a bringer, to bring people along. And so even right here, uh, as we see Andrew come up, he doesn't seem to be doing much, but he, he just goes after one. And the one that he reaches goes on to reach thousands. Case in point, uh, a familiar story that you might know, you might not know, takes place in John chapter 6. It's a story of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus has 5,000 men plus their wives and children all gathered together, coming to listen to him teach. And as any good pastor or teacher would, he talks and talks and talks for a really, really, really long time. So long, in fact, that everybody is starving. They're hungry because it's almost dinner time and Jesus has been talking all day. And so what happens? Well, the disciples are at a loss of what to do because they're in a remote area of the countryside. They're not near any villages. There's nowhere they can go to buy food. They can't send the people away to get food because it's a long way. They might faint along the way. And then Jesus has the nerve to tell the disciples, well, you get them something to eat. Like, what are they supposed to do with that? They're nowhere near anywhere, and they're supposed to come up with food for thousands and thousands of people. Well, this is where Andrew finds the true hero of the day, besides Jesus, of course. Andrew finds the one boy whose mother thought ahead enough to pack him a lunch. And you know that mother because some of you are that mother, or some of you have had that mother. And you know, she packed him his fish and his bread, which that's just a weird lunch, but she packed him his fish and his bread, probably put a little love note in there that he was really embarrassed by and didn't really want his friends to see, but secretly he really appreciated and enjoyed it. Anyways, Andrew finds this boy who is willing to share his small little lunch with Jesus. And he even admits that he doesn't know how far it will go among so many people. But Andrew bringing that boy to Jesus, the step of faith that that boy takes to offer up what he has, gives the opportunity for a miracle unlike anything any of them had ever seen. Because as many of us know from that story, Jesus blesses the food, he gives thanks, and that five fish and two loaves, sorry, five loaves and two fish, 
it feeds thousands of people to satisfaction with 12 basketfuls of leftovers. This incredible miracle that takes place. Well, it all comes from that step of faith on the part of the boy. That step of faith that he is willing to sacrifice his lunch to let Jesus do something incredible. For the youth in here, don't ever think that you're too young or not good enough or don't have what it takes. I don't see any adults being heroes in the story offering up their lunch. It was the boy. It was the youth that is the hero of this story right? He brought all he had and he gave it to Jesus and got to watch Jesus work a miracle. Now, Andrew, he still is unsure of what Jesus would or or could do in a situation like this. But he takes that step of faith, he brings that boy, and he gets to watch Jesus work a miracle. Andrew impacts the one who goes on to impact thousands. Jesus, as a result of this gets to feed physically and spiritually thousands and thousands of people. Thinking back to our interaction a moment ago with John chapter 1, Andrew reaches his brother, Simon Peter, who goes on to reach thousands. Now again, we don't know a whole lot about Andrew in Scripture. I'm sure he had really great ministry. There's traditions of what happened to him and the missionary that he was and all of those things. He reached one who went on to reach thousands. If you study Peter throughout the Gospels, Peter, then after Jesus ascends into heaven in the book of Acts, goes on to do these miraculous, crazy, awesome things. He really is that rock upon which Jesus builds the church. All because Andrew reached Peter in the first place. Now you may be sitting there thinking, okay, but how do I fit into this story? I don't really feel like I can relate to that. That's just a special case. Those guys were around Jesus. Like, I I don't have anybody in my life who I could reach who could go on to do crazy, awesome, big things like Peter did. Well, how do you know that for certain? I mean, who are we to limit God? Bringing it maybe a little bit closer to home. How many of you guys have ever heard of Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball. Yeah, that's about the response I got in first service too. Well, neither had I. Anybody ever hear of D.L. Moody? D.L. Moody? Okay, a lot more hands. Awesome. Well, Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher to D.L. Moody. We don't know Edward Kimball, but a lot of us know D.L. Moody. You see, at this point in time, D.L. Moody, he was this bold, obnoxious, intimidating 18-year-old. He worked at a local shoe store. Edward Kimball, as a Sunday school teacher, felt called to go share the gospel with D.L. Moody. But he was terrified of him. (laughs) Maybe some of you have been there being terrified of those intimidating 18-year-olds. I don't know. But he was intimidated. He was terrified. And yet he took that bold step of faith, knowing that God was calling him to go reach D.L. Moody. And so he goes walk into the shoe store. He gets so nervous, he walks right past the store, turns around, comes back, finds Moody in the warehouse in the back of the store, and he shares the gospel with them. Takes that bold step of faith, leaves the results up to God. And you know what happened? Right then and there, D.L. Moody placed his faith in Christ. And as I say, the rest is history. D.L. Moody goes on to become a pastor, evangelist, preacher, author, who impacts thousands and brings thousands of people to Christ, all because of the faithfulness of Edward Kimball, who nobody knows, but his willingness to take that step of faith, to share the gospel like God was calling him to. And D.L. Moody, he was illiterate and uneducated. 
He didn't know what he was doing, and yet God used him in amazing ways. I love this quote from D.L. Moody that reminds me of something that Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, but this is what Moody says. He says, what I'm trying to do is give the gospel all I can with all I know so that all who can hear maybe will come. He's doing whatever he can, whatever it takes, leaving the results up to God. It's amazing. Don't ever think that you're not smart enough or that you don't have what it takes. Because God can use you and your weaknesses. He is the strength in our weaknesses. God uses us in amazing ways to make things happen, not because of who we are, but because of who God is in us. We all have something to offer God. Our gifts, our talents, our skills, our resources, whatever it might be, even in our weaknesses, God is strong and he is going to work through those things. When we refuse to surrender what we have to God, aren't we basically just saying that we know better than him? And aren't we limiting a limitless God? Or at least trying to? It's so important that we see the value of individual people to recognize that everybody has value, everybody has worth, everybody is worth the opportunity to know Jesus. Second thing to see value in, see the value of insignificant gifts. See the value of insignificant gifts. Whatever we have to give, whatever we have to bring, it's all worth giving to God. It might be your time, it might be your talents, your skills, your resources, your service. Whatever you have, we all have something. And it might not seem like much, but God can and will multiply that and use that in amazing ways. There's a really cool story in Luke chapter 21 of a widow who brings her offering to the temple. She brings all that she has to God. And God uses that. Jesus is just remarking on what a blessing is when we give what we have, because everything that we have is all from God in the first place. It's all his. No gift is too small or too insignificant. Everything that we have to give is worth giving. Uh, calling back to our story, the feeding of the 5,000 for a moment here, uh, there's a student devotional for Who's Your One that the students have been working through for the past number of weeks. And I love what Shane Pruitt says here, talking about the little boy and his willingness to give up his lunch. Here's what he says. He says, I wonder how often people hold back their services and offerings to God because they think they're too small to make any kind of difference. How many times have you held back your talents and gifts from God's use because you thought they were insignificant? People are guilty of using their insignificance as an excuse for not doing anything for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of John records an account of the Son of God feeding more than 5,000 people. Jesus and his disciples looked upon a large hungry crowd, and then he looked for someone to make an offering. A small boy decided against keeping his lunch for himself and gave it to Jesus. Jesus took the five barley loaves and the two fish, blessed them, and fed the whole crowd until they were full. Can you imagine the blessing and enjoyment the young boy received from giving his small offering to the Lord and serving others with it? What if the boy had kept his lunch for himself, either because he was selfish or because he thought it was too insignificant? He would have really missed out on a huge blessing. No offering or act of service is too small or insignificant. Use what you have for his glory and the good of others. Use what you have for his glory and the good of others. There's so much joy in giving to God, trusting that he's going to use what we have to give in amazing, incredible ways. People are worth knowing who Jesus is. And whatever we have to give, it's worth giving up to him. So what does this look like practically? Well, I want to speak to a few different groups of people here in the room or watching online today. And I just listen in. You might hear something 
pick up on something that fits you and your life situation and where you're at and who you're trying to reach. Uh, but I just encourage you to, to listen in on all of this. And remember that the things that are important to you are going to become clear through the way that you live your life, through the things that you're talking about, through what you're naturally doing in your life. And so regardless of where you're at in life, be thinking about how your life is or is not pointing people to Jesus. But the first group I want to speak to is the older adults in the room. And I will let you put yourself in that category if you so choose. But older adults in the room, what, what does it look like? Who are some insignificant, I'm sorry, who, not insignificant people. Whew, good catch. Uh, who are some individual people that I can see value in as I seek to reach them? Well, maybe it's another older adult, a neighbor or a friend, somebody in a similar stage of life as me that God is calling me to reach. I can care for them. I can show my love for them to show that I see them and that I, I value them. Maybe it's somebody who's younger than you, a generation or several generations younger. And it might seem like it's difficult to feel like you can relate to people that are different from you in age, but the reality is you have great things to offer. You have so much wisdom, so much life experience and insight to speak into younger lives. I need that. We need that. And so maybe that's grabbing up somebody who's younger than you and saying, hey, I want to speak into your life. Awesome. Do that. Point them to Jesus. Insignificant gift. There it is. Insignificant gift that we can give. Time. You have the gift of time. Life maybe isn't quite as busy. Maybe it is. But if you've got time to give, that you can spend with someone, that you can point them to Jesus, care for their needs physically, yes, spiritually, absolutely. But more than anything, just be. Just listen. Just be with them and spend that time together. Second group I want to speak to, young adults. Again, I will let you put yourself in that category. Young adults, individual people that you can see value in. Maybe it's another young adult, somebody kind of in your same stage of life, somebody who is a coworker or a friend that you see regularly that you can be investing in. Awesome. Show them that you value them, that you care about them through your words, through your actions, through the time that you spend. Maybe it is somebody who's younger than you. Maybe it's looking at somebody who's a little bit further back in life where you recently were. You can relate to that a little bit more. And so maybe it's speaking that life and that wisdom into their life experiences, knowing what you've had that you've gone through because you still have good things to share. The insignificant gift that you can see value and that you can give is the gift of talent. You all have talents. Older adults, you guys have talents too. Uh, we all have talents. But time, it might be difficult to come by. Life is busy. There's a lot going on. So what are the talents, the things that I have been gifted with that I can offer to somebody else? to help reach them, to help show them that I care about them, that you do life together, that I'm able to serve them through that as we spend time together. Third group, students. You guys have heard from me a lot recently at youth group or at fall retreat, so I'll keep it brief, but individual people you can see value in. It's your peers, another student, classmate, teammate. It might be somebody you like. It might be somebody you don't like. Somebody that you have a lot in common with, somebody you don't have a lot in common with. But God can be calling you to reach those people to help you show them that he sees them and values them and that you do too. Insignificant gift that you have to give, energy. You guys have energy and you might not be feeling it as much right now after Nick keeps droning on and on and on, but you've got energy. You have more potential than anybody else here. 
You guys have so many more years to live. And thinking about the significant impact that you can make gets me excited. Yes, everybody, we all have impact that we can make, but you guys have so much potential. And so what does it look like to use that, to know that you can be a world changer as you cling to Jesus and, and make, this, make him known in this world as you live out your relationship with him? Last group I want to speak to, the fourth group, this is parents. That should be pretty clear if you're a parent. Uh, parents, and this is where I want to spend a couple extra minutes, all right? Now, as a youth pastor to teenagers, I would like to think that I have totally figured teenagers out. And by the time I have teenagers of my own someday, I'll have perfectly been able to, you know, handle them and it'll be easy, right? Parents of teenagers know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, the reality is it, it will be crazy and tricky figuring all of that out. That's the reality of being a parent, I'm sure. But I do want to share some insight with you of things that I've learned through my job, through my ministry to students. And this is not just for parents of teenagers. This is for parents in general, all right? Individual people that you can see value in. Yeah, there's your coworkers, your neighbors, family members, friends. If that's who God's calling you to, absolutely, by all means, reach them. But I want to give you somebody else to think about, and that's your kids. Because if you are a parent who walks with Jesus, then your number one job as a parent is to disciple your kids to walk with Jesus. And no one is more crucial in their lives or their spiritual walk than you are. Not me, not anybody. You are the most crucial. And I know it can be easy to think that as the youth pastor, it's my job, or, you know, Kai or Emily as our children's staff, it's their job. And that might be partially true, but the reality is your kids have been entrusted to you. God has given them to you for a reason. And so however you can best care for them, set good examples for them, it's not just about sending them to kids' church or youth group or Awana. We love that they're here. That's really, really awesome. But we only get a couple hours a week with them. You, you get more time than that with your kids. I, I sure hope. And if not, then that's, that's something else you got to work through. But we are here to, to care for and to teach your kids but it's so, so crucial that you see your kids as valuable, as worth investing in and spending time with, knowing that they've been entrusted to you. Again, God has given them to you for a reason. And so set good examples for them in what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Uh, the, the old saying, do as I say, not as I do, not good parenting advice, right? Some of you have maybe used that, whatever, that's up to you. Not good parenting advice. Set examples for your kids in what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And it's not just about going through the motions, because if you're going through the motions, your kids are going to call you out on that. They're going to see that. And who's to think it's going to look any different in their lives? Set good examples for them in what it looks like to walk with Jesus, to have your heart set on who he is. And I know something I was challenging the students with recently is, is processing what what my faith looks like to me. Has my faith been made real to me? If so, how? What does it look like for me to live that out? Well, as a parent, you got to figure that out too. Because again, if I'm not living that out as a parent, then who's to say my kids are going to be living that out as they watch me? And so I just want to encourage and challenge you as parents with that, that you would find the joy in the why of following Jesus. Well, what does it look like practically to, to disciple your kids. And that's a whole nother thing. I can't get all into that, right? Uh, just as a simple, simple little example, when I was in high school, uh, my parents started leading my sister and I through a 
kind of a discipleship curriculum that they had previously done here at the church. And, you know, it was really, really great stuff. It was something that we did together as a family. And while I maybe wasn't always like super excited about it, if I'm being honest, the truth is it was really, really good because it, it started habits that I was able to carry on into my college years. It was a springboard for my walk with God that when I was off on my own, I could continue living out my faith. And so if you want ideas of resources, please do not hesitate to ask me or Kai or Emily or any of the rest of us. We would love to come alongside you as parents and how you disciple and, and lead your kids. Um, my goal for your students is just simply that, that they would know and follow Jesus. And whatever I can do to help get, to, get them to that point, that by the time they graduate, they have the tools, the resources, the people pouring into them that they need to, to make those choices for themselves. That's my hope for them, and that's my prayer for you as their parents. Insignificant gift that you can give as a parent is sacrifice. What sacrifices can you make at work, socially, or within your personal wants to make more time for your kids? Give them your time, your talents, teach them. I'm not telling you to completely live for your kids or be controlled by them. That's unhealthy and a different extreme. But your kids are worth your energy and your time, the best that you can give. So however you can better care for them and disciple them personally, relationally, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually, I want to encourage you in that. And so in all of these things, wherever you're at in this, whoever those people are that God is calling you to, whatever those gifts are that you have to give, know that nothing you do is too little. No time that you spend with someone is useless because you never know how those little moments, those little encouragements are, are going to impact a life and make a difference. In closing, I just want to share a brief story uh, about a guy named Will I recently met. And several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak as part of a panel at a men's night for Crew Campus Crusade at U of M. It was a student ministry that I was a part of in college. And we were sharing about the value of gospel-centered community and how much we need each other's uh, just encouragement and the ability to sharpen one another. And after we were done, this guy comes up to me. I'd never met him before. He introduces himself as Will. He's like, hey, are you Nick? I said, yeah. Well, Will goes on to tell me that one of my former roommates, Jeff, had led him to Christ a couple years ago which was really, really cool. I've never met Will before, but that was really awesome to hear. Well, you see, when Jeff was a freshman in college, he came to college, he grew up in church, but he didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. He hadn't really made that step to make his faith his own. And so some friends of mine were able to lead Jeff to Christ. Well, over the years, I was able to disciple Jeff and lead a Bible study with him and even live with him for a year. And then now here, all these years later, I'm meeting Will, who Jeff got to lead to Christ. Now, why do I share this story? Because Will has incredible potential in the kingdom of God. And so does Jeff. We all do. And if we had decided not to take the time to invest in Jeff, Will probably wouldn't be walking with Jesus. And if he hadn't chosen to pursue Will, think of the lives that wouldn't be reached even now as Will is a student leader on campus reaching other college students. And so we all have the opportunity for significant impact. It's, it can be so overwhelming thinking about the billions of people around the world who don't know Jesus. Be grieved by that, but don't be paralyzed by it. Get up and walk towards even just that one. Take that step towards one, because that one that you reach might just reach one more and one more and one more, and who knows, maybe even dozens or hundreds or thousands 
Who's to say the next D.L. Moody isn't sitting in this room right now? I don't know. We don't know. But who are we to limit God, to limit what God can do when we take that step towards one individual person, to see the value in them, and when we're willing to give of what we have, those even insignificant gifts, recognizing that God can do amazing things in us and through us. Because he's already worked miracles in our lives. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, he's brought you from death to life. And that's the story for each one of us. That's what he desires for each one of us. And so wherever you're at in that, know that this is a wonderful life that God has designed for us here on this earth and that much more into eternity, that he desires to know us and be with us for all eternity. We are God's plan A, his plan for reaching the world that starts with us, with going and making disciples of all nations, and it starts with one. And so wherever you're at today, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't, if you're figuring out what that looks like, if you're trying to figure out next steps, I just encourage you to, to talk to God. We're going to pray here in just a moment. And if you've never placed your faith in him, I want to give you that opportunity to pray along with me. But regardless of where you're at in that, ask God, what's my next step? What does it look like for me to take a step towards somebody, towards making you known? Because as Andrew did, his first response with Peter, he got excited, he learned about Jesus, and he brought his brother right along. And so if you know Jesus— who are you bringing along in that? Who are you excitedly, showing, excitedly sharing Jesus with in your life? So let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to know you, to worship you. Lord, you are the good shepherd. You desire relationship with us. You have, as all former lost sheep, Lord, that we've all been lost and yet you have brought us home into your safe, loving arms that you are the good shepherd. Lord, if there's anybody here who uh, is, is not in a relationship with you, I pray that you would work in their hearts, that they would choose to take that step of faith that places their trust in you. Lord, that they can do that even now just by praying this prayer. God, I know that you love me. I know that you desire a relationship with me but my sin gets in the way of that. Lord, I confess my sins to you and thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life and dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, you resurrected from the grave to give me new life in you. And I thank you for that. I believe that, I accept that, and I'm excited to spend eternity in heaven with you. Lord, for any of us here, whatever that next step is, I pray that you would make it clear. However, we can take that step of faith towards one person or knowing that you took that step towards us, knowing that somebody has taken that step towards us or whatever that next step is, however, we can live out our faith and seeing value in the people around us and giving what we have to give. So God, we praise you. We worship you this day. It's in your wonderful, powerful, amazing name that we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for being with us here today. Uh, as I mentioned earlier with the tree over here and the bulbs lit up, uh, if there's anybody here today who has recently or even today either rededicated your life to Jesus or placed your faith in him for the first time, we want to give you the opportunity to come up and turn one of those bulbs and celebrate with you. Uh, you don't have to say anything, but does anybody want to come on up and turn a bulb this morning?
I want to give that opportunity. All right, come on up. Give him a hand. Remind me your name. What's your name? My name's Charlie. Charlie. <clears throat> All right. Praise God for Charlie. I love that. <laughs>